Welcome to episode 28 of the Whiskey Topic. Jamie and I recorded an interview with Drew Mayfield at Buffalo Trace. Uh, this was just after the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection tasting that we did. And Jamie, that was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. It was honestly probably, a, it was one of the highlights of the trip for me. Like we got so, we were so lucky to, to have the opportunity to do the tasting of BTAC, but also with Drew. That's so, it was like, yes. Yeah, um, Drew's the uh, master blender. He's also a director for Sazerac Rye. So it sounds like he does, you know, he, he'll do like vodkas and blended whiskeys and that kind of thing. Um, I should say flavored whiskeys and, and all those kind of things. But you can tell his passion's really, uh, you know, the BTAC line. Uh, every time we talk to him, it's that his, his heart is there. And, and it's great to talk to somebody that is that passionate about whiskey and pushing that envelope of whiskey. Yeah, and he's such a, a really sort of, well, as I find all whiskey people kind of um, just, you know, ready to give you the straight goods and uh, ready to just sort of like chit chat about, um, you know, his his stuff. He's really proud of, of what he puts out. And at, I mean, as he should be. Um, but you can sort of see when we were doing the tasting with him and you'll you'll hear it um, in the in the interview that we did he's really proud of the stuff that buffalo trace puts out and uh, he really sort of has a very personal connection with it so it was such a uh, it was a real treat to like hang out with him and uh, and you know taste all that crazy amazing whiskey we were so lucky <laughs> well and i mean and to drew's credit he had dental surgery that morning was oh on my painkillers he came in just to speak with us and, and so nice tasting with us so uh just uh, amazing experience um we do apologize for some of the audio we did have audio issues there we we're also kind of there's machines behind us so the the microphones picked that up so the audio is not the best uh but we still hope you enjoy the interview we were in the lab so it's a very authentic um it's a very authentic experience it's like you're right there with us <laughs> exactly. whiskey whiskey the singer's getting sore we raise the roof now when we're lower in the floor the band is blistered but we got a little more when I say one, two, you say three, four, one, two, three, four. It makes sense just walking in from the, the last room when we got to do a tasting of the uh, 2015 uh, antique collection. Uh, so what exactly, what's in it for you guys? What's the goal, I guess, of the antique collection? What's, what, what are we trying to get at with um, releasing these beautiful whiskeys <laughs> every year? Well, I, th I think the goal for us is that we would like to make better whiskeys, and that's showcasing our top whiskeys. And I think the whole reason that we're here is to make better whiskeys. And we really do uh, believe that we can make better whiskeys. And the whiskeys that we have today, even though they win many awards and accolades, I think um, the long-term continuous improvement type effort and everything we do will make better whiskeys down the road. So they are to showcase, you know, where we are and um, where we're going to go. You, you can't possibly be making a lot of money on, on Buffalo Trace Antique well, Collection. Yeah, I mean, that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose at all. The, not, yeah. the purpose is to make better whiskey. And I think the main reason we can do that is because we're not a public company. We're privately held. And if you were part of a public company, there's a very, very 
strong demand to make a lot of money and uh, not that we don't like money but it's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's more about making a better product and establishing the brands we're building brands here the old-fashioned way of building brands you know the George T Stagg brand yeah the Buffalo Trace brand so that's what we're doing here is the old-fashioned building brands and it does sound a little corny sometimes to talk that way because uh, people don't almost believe you but that's exactly what's happening here so believe it or not that's what's happening and it's 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 evidenced by our experiments that we conduct on a regular basis trying to make new and better uh, whiskies uh, it's evidenced by building a single or a little warehouse, experimental warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not making product in there to sell and make lots of money. It's not the purpose. The purpose is to experiment. So, you know, whether you're talking about that or the mini still making new products, that's what we're doing is experimenting, trying to make better whiskeys for the future. With the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, you're really getting a different flavor with every whiskey. Like, the, you're, you're going for different flavor profiles, different palate types. Um, do you feel a lot of pressure around that? Because it's like a, everybody writes about the antique collection. This is like you big seller. Do you feel a lot of pressure with that as like a, in your role? <laughs> That's a good question. When I first started, I didn't feel any pressure. Every subsequent year, sorry about that. Every subsequent year, I feel more and more pressure to deliver. And sometimes you'll have somebody write about a product that we've, you know, married together and they don't like it and it, I take offense to that personally. It feels like I've done something wrong where you know the next writer will say it's fantastic so I'm vindicated somewhat. You know Harlan and I go through a lot of effort to make the best possible product that we can deliver in the antique collection but every year there is a lot of pressure to do it and to do it better all the time. So it is there you're right and I feel it more and more with every year and again, we, we, um, we, we try to make similar taste profiles for each one, but not exactly. So we have that vintage type feel to it. And we want people to have a little bit different each year. And I, I think that's the design by design. I was just going to say, I was sort of going to go back to a point that you made that you're sort of in this great position where you're privately held. So you have a, maybe a bit more control over what happens um, here. Um, there is sort of, you can see with some other brands that there is this pressure to create an entry level whiskey or um, throw some um, flavoring in there and make it into a, a sh like a, you know, the next sort of party shot. And then you, that's where you get, you know, you hook people onto your whiskey and then you introduce them to the rest of it. But it seems like you don't have, you sort of don't feel that pressure. You don't need to throw any cinnamon flavoring in your whiskey and <laughs> well that's the beauty of our company is that our portfolio is more than just whiskey so we do have right. those flavored products right. yeah. so we have different avenues to pursue there and and that's what we part of my group is new product development which is those flavored mm -hmm. products mm -hmm. and you know that that's the fad of the time or you know there may be a product that people like and that's an important part of everybody's business here but the premier uh, part of Buffalo Trace distillery is whiskeys and that's what we're focused on here so you know we we could make a cheaper product I like to your point but that's not the aim of what we're trying to accomplish here for this exactly. distillery exactly. right yeah. so the 
I guess we do have those types of products in other distilleries that we own. Exactly. So last time uh, we were here, uh, Glenn and I were here, we, we talked before, and you mentioned the Holy Grail of whiskey, how you're constantly, you mentioned this today as well, you're constantly perfecting whiskey, uh, having an experimental collection uh, coming out with different, completely different drinks that you traditionally produce. Um, how's that search going, and um, where, where, where are your thoughts on that right now? Well, that search is... Uh, ongoing obviously um, I think we've made progress in learning uh, I have an example in front of us here you have part of our single oak project we have a fine grain and a coarse grain um, example so in other words all the variables were kept constant and the difference between the two is fine grain versus coarse grain so that's a, a good example of how it's going as we're learning as we go through all of our experiments what makes a better whiskey. So that's that's the interesting part is that the coarse grain will give you definitely more oak and wood influence versus the tight grain which will be um, actually less mature for the same age. Yeah. What is so what is normal? What is the default grain type? Uh, it'd be average. It'd be average. Right. Matches. So you're going to both extremes. Right. So when you look at a barrel, nobody's putting coarse uh, grain oak all in one barrel, yeah. unless you want to do that. They're putting in coarse and fine, so it's actually the average of those oh, two. Right. You see how it works? Yeah. So you're going to taste these, and you would see um, one being definitely much more oak flavor versus the other, much more mature for an eight-year-old. And then, what, that, what does that tell you? Mm -hmm. So that tells us, for instance, if you were going to make a whiskey that's going to age 30 plus years, you would probably want to put it maybe more in a fine grain barrel yeah. versus a coarse. Because a coarse grain would end up being probably too dominant and not as balanced as the fine grain one. So you start learning little bits like that over time, and you can actually uh, make a better whiskey, I think. I, I think last last time I was here too, it kind of blew me away. Where you're you're taking the science to the point of that is a great example, like grain levels and how old that was aging. Um, what proof is that rye going into the barrels, and how long you plan to age that whiskey is is a related related question. Correct. So so if you do put it in at a lower proof versus a higher proof, the taste profile will be definitely different after eight years. And that's what we've done the experiments with. So you can actually determine what's the best way to age in what climate almost. Yeah. And that's part of the learning. Yeah. And warehousing here is a huge deal as well. You've got, right. I mean, you've got a warehouse that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you've got a warehouse here that you don't want to drop this temperature below six degrees. you got an experimental warehouse where you're working with climate control and you've got the traditional kind of rickhouse. What's give us some insight, like well, like as far as like let's say Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, where does that primarily come from? Oh, that's a secret. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is that we we use our whole taste profile across the whole facility yeah. to give us the ultimate or the end goal. So in other words, we would end up picking from each warehouse different barrels from different floors yeah. and then marrying them together to see what the end product would be like. So in other words, you design basically how it's going to taste based on where it's located 
in the distillery because each warehouse is aged is going to age differently each product right yeah. yeah and within the floors they'll be different too do you have a favorite warehouse all of them that is a good <laughs> answer <laughs> no depending on the product right you know um you know if you age in the top floors in some warehouses where it's warmer it's going to age faster because the temperature is higher you know if, if you aged in jamaica it would be a lot faster because it's so warm it's really pushing the spirit into the uh, wood so that top floor it's going to age a lot faster you don't want that to age for instance for 20 years because it's just not going to taste right so if you want to age an antique collection type product that's going to be aged for example you know 15 years you would want more of the mid to lower floors as opposed to the upper floors so there's some design that's going on in making the product but at the same time you can take some that are a little bit more wood flavored and marry them in with a big batch that's mid to low and actually gives you a nice accent that you wouldn't expect unless you marry them like that so that's where a little bit of that blending comes in the, I know blending is such a bad word to use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Marrying. Marrying. Uh, but yeah, all, all whiskey's blended unless it's single barrel. Every every Correct. whiskey is in some respects blended. Yes. Um, and, and scotch. And Only Canadian can say that. <laughs> like <laughs> <That's> me. <true>. <laughs> 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 right. That's right. Um, so you do? Do you have a? Do you have like a roadmap of? I mean, you kind of do have a roadmap of like, okay, here's where we're getting Buffalo Trace, here's where we're yeah, getting blends, yeah. and then you do the tasting as we saw here last time. Uh -huh. Blends goes through a circle, and there's right. there's if some person doesn't say this is blends, it gets turned around and it's gone. It That's correct. Product. We don't use it for that. You don't use it for that. Um, so there, you do kind of have a, you do have it down to a bit of a science, but then there's also that aspect of it where you're tasting and confirming what you would expect. Right. It's a verification, yes. Well, most of the time it's pretty consistent and you don't remove too many, but sometimes uh, one of the panelists sees some, something that doesn't look like the standard and we would reject it for that. And when we say reject, it just doesn't meet the taste profile of that particular product. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with it necessarily. And that's very rare in the time I've been here to reject something maybe happened a half dozen times in 11, 12 years. Yeah. So the science is close to perfect. Yeah, it's very so close because the distiller, Harlan, is very consistent in the product he distills. And we check it all the time to make sure it matches what it, we think it should match. Yeah. I guess, let's, why don't you explain us the relationship between you and Harlan? Like, how do you, how do you guys work together? Uh, we, look, we work together very closely and all the time. Uh, we look at the distillate every day with Harlan. He looks at it all the time when he's running. He looks at his whole process. It's very tight, so it's consistent. So when we have, a, uh, say, a Blanton's uh, or a Buffalo Trace, he would look at the samples and the final product and approve that. He'd be one of our panelists, just like uh, other people. So we work very closely in, you know, ensuring that we have the best quality product possible. Buffalo Trace experimentalized. What are some of your favorites from there? Like, you guys experimented everything. I mean, really, um, what are some of your favorites from that line? Well, I like the, um, we did some way back with the, and we, we, we didn't finish them. We actually aged them in some casks 
and one was the Chardonnay cask. So it wasn't like a few months in there. It was aged in there years upon years. And that really developed a nice flavor for me. And I think I still have some here. It's about uh, half an inch left in a bottle. But it really developed nicely. So you can taste the wine and you can taste the Buffalo Trace and balance. It really tastes good for me. But that was just uh, one example. There's, there's so many. Um, I guess probably the French oak uh, probably gives me such, you know, a, a little bit different from the norm American oak as far as the finished product goes. And we're doing obviously more experiments with that because uh, I think the, the end product is excellent. Yeah. And it really, uh, actually we have some out there we'll taste after if you want. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say values of these have just gone up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Has there ever been anything that you just totally got wrong? You had you anticipated sort of a, an experiment to end in a certain manner, and it just totally went the opposite way, and you were... Yeah, I guess the most recent example, because we, we don't bottle everything we make in experiments, because right. if it doesn't turn out, we don't put it out. Yeah. We, we actually will take it, put it in some bottles, and just for uh, future use, we can look at it. Sure. But... I guess the most recent was the small barrels, you know, the, right. yeah. and yeah. they actually didn't turn out <laughs> palatable for us. Oh, no. And, you know, we didn't expect it to be so bad, but it was really bad. And we got a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of heat from different places. Probably Amy um, took some of that heat, but basically it's, uh, it turned out to be like licking a piece of wood, you know, charred wood. It was so bad because the, the you know, the surface area is so, uh, you know, so large, you know, of the wood and the product. So the product's small. So you actually, you need that ratio of liquid to barrel actually to age properly. And, you know, a lot of the micro distilleries and things probably got mad at us because it doesn't suit their... Um, their needs, but for our, what we did, it didn't turn out. So your job is to basically make Amy's sad uh, PR person's <laughs> job difficult. This, this is what you're doing. Here. Yes, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> she can as much yes. as possible of different labels, different proof levels, and send them out there. And that's correct. And Amy you got it. Answer a lot of questions. That's 100% right. Because <laughs> Amy does. Like I email Amy all the time. I'm like Amy, da da da. Like. So you're part of the problem. I'm, I'm literally part of the problem. I, I do. <laughs> Amy's laughing at that, right? But no, I am literally part of the problem. Like, what mash bill is this? And Amy never answers that question ever. <laughs> like, I'm still not answering. I would tell you if it was like mash bill one or two yeah. or that. Yeah, that's all you're getting. That's, yeah. all, that's getting. all you're getting. It's so interesting, um, uh, the, the, the small barrel piece, because we talk a lot on the podcast about craft distilling and how up in the air it is and how there is, you know, we, you could debate this, you know, d this term craft distilling till the cows come home and people do on Twitter all over the place. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's, it's, uh, it speaks to the side of the argument that says size doesn't really matter in terms of craft distillation or, or doing something on a, a craft sort of handmade sort of scale. Um, which I think is really interesting because, I mean, being here, it's a huge operation. Um, but it's still, you know, it, it sort of does speak to the argument that 
it doesn't matter if your distillery is massive or if it's tiny. You can, you can make a craft product anywhere. Yeah. A lot of our lots are very small, and you you probably see on the, the tour if you take you know the hand bottling operation, which is very small, handcrafted. But you got to remember too that before craft was even in, mm-hmm. we had a distillery a micro still here about I think about seven years maybe almost eight that was installed so we started doing some craft distilling way before it became fashionable so it's not like we're new at it um, so we've been doing small batches on there and we've been doing experiments on there so on that still and it's it's been a long time before it even became popularized and so we I always feel like this is a very small crafty operation because of the way we work and what we do here and uh, you know I uh, just the way it is I mean that's the way it is yeah uh, the, the Taylor line how do you see that because you've got I mean we've got a lot of balls here we've got Sazerac you know the rye we know the Buffalo Trace uh, we know the weeded uh, where's this what does the Taylor fill it fill it into this is it like about a different, you're going for a different flavor. Like, what's what, what are you going for with that? I, I think it's a, a line that's premium, mm-hmm. and it's a line that's going to be in the future introduction of one-time introductions plus some regular all-the-time releases. Yeah. So it'll be a line that's going to actually change over time. You're going to have your, you know, your single barrel. You're going to have your barrel-proof, your standards. But at the same time, like the cured oak or the tornado surviving bourbon, you're going to have the one-offs, and there's lots more coming. So it'll, it'll spark a lot of interest because people want those products because they're unique and one-time offerings until we make some more and it takes 17 more years to make, like we said before. But that uh, is where that line is going is definitely premium after Mr. E.H. Taylor. Yeah, and you can taste the products. You'll see how it tastes. And the 100 proof is really delicious. I love that line. (laughs) I love that whole line. Yeah. But it's a little more premiumized. And, you know, the canister and the packaging is is of that era. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah. And and in case, so we saw the the cured oak for $1,000. And even here at in the Buffalo Trace Distillery in the taste room, there's still just a little bit left, and that's it. And that's it. It's well, there's there's not much left after you taste it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Yeah, exactly. oh. That went around a few times. That one. Yeah, it's it's amazing. We have all this B-Tac, and we're like, yeah, keep it up. <laughs> no, they're all excellent, but the cured oak, I know, is just so, you know, you're just not going to get it again. I but that's, I think that's the purpose yeah, is, it is, is that, of that line, is yeah. to be exceptional. Yeah. So, you know, one of our experiments may end up in there. You, may, you just don't know if it's exceptional. This year is the last year of Sazerac Rye 18. This is the last year from that back. Um, tell us about next year. Like, I'm, you, earlier, a little, you were very excited. I know you're not going to say anything, but, uh, but like, you're excited about next year. It's about the next Sazerac uh, 18. Well, the reason I'm excited is because, obviously, we just don't wait till next year. But we basically sample ahead of time, and both Harlan and myself uh, evaluated what we're, what we're aging, and it was excellent. So we're not... Um, we're, we're, we're not disappointed. We're very excited about releasing it next year because there'll be a lot of people uh, looking for this and knowing it's the first time, etc. So yeah. I think you'll be pretty happy next year. 
Drew, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. questions and, and being a second home here. And, and it is very homey yeah, here, it actually. So nice. It's, it's, it's a very really delightful place to visit. Everyone's so lovely. The singer's getting sore.